Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the High Scores Podcast. I'm your host, Sage McSwain, and let's get right into today's episode. Now, first, we're starting off the episode with some news starting the NFL, um, and it came out yesterday that it looks like uh, Jim Harbaugh is staying with Michigan or uh, Thursday, if I believe correctly. Uh, yeah, so Jim Harbaugh is going to stay with Michigan. Uh, there were some reports earlier on in uh, into coaching, hiring, uh, and kind of after Black Monday that Jim Harbaugh might be going to the Raiders. Then we hear, uh, you know, that's not true. Uh, it's false reporting. So then we think, oh, he might be staying with Michigan or he's going to the NFL. Then now there are more reports coming out with him uh, going to Minnesota for the head coaching job. And many people saying that he would go into the NFL if he could. So a lot of uh, there's a lot of mystery there with him possibly going to back to the NFL uh, and leaving Michigan. But it looks like he is staying at Michigan. Uh, you know, this past season, Michigan, they made it to the semifinals of the national championship um, and they won the Big Ten for the first time, I believe, or they won the fir- uh, first Big Ten championship in uh school history so definitely uh, i think it was a good decision with him staying at michigan uh it does look like a lot of the members of the coaching staff are going to leave uh mac mcdonald uh, is going uh to the nfl i believe i can't remember what team he's going to be going to but um he is going to be going to the nfl and then i will talk about it later but it does look like josh gaddis is going to miami to be the offensive coordinator there so a lot of uh coaching decisions that john harbaugh or jim harbaugh will need to make uh but i do think uh it'll work out i guess with michigan i'm not sure how michigan will play uh, this upcoming season because they are losing a lot of their uh defensive pieces that made them so good this past season, they're losing Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, um, and their defensive backs there that they've had for a while, um, and a lot of their offensive players, mainly Hassan Haskins, who is going to be leaving. So there's some offensive and defensive captains for that team that are going to be leaving. So uh, definitely some big leadership changes are going to be happening, uh, and uh, I'm not sure how Michigan is going to play, but I still think they're going to be good. And I think Jim Harbaugh uh, will be a good coach there for Michigan. Now some more news coming out of the NFL. The Lions GM Brad Holmes has said that he is open to trading out of the second pick. Um, And as a Lions fan, I would not like that unless they're getting something like really good. Uh, Like a quarterback, I would basically take any quarterback at this point uh, over Jared Goff. So uh, maybe if they're getting a quarterback in, you know, while trading that second pick or maybe a defensive player if they're trading outside of that second pick uh like a defensive lineman uh or safety possibly uh but i think keeping that second pick is a good decision to have for the team i mean i get that you're they're gonna have a, another first round pick but it is going to be late and i think you could definitely trade out of that later first round pick if you want to uh, there's some teams looking for uh, some late first round picks, so maybe you could do that. But I think keeping the second pick is a good asset to have. You're trying to make a young team, and uh, you know you don't want to have a young team by making 
more veterans on the team. You kind of have, uh, I guess, a good amount of veterans on the team mixed in with younger players, and you're trying to get younger. So just keep the second pick, uh, get a defensive lineman. Now I have seen that it's either it's mainly either going to be Kavion Thibodeau or uh, Aiden Hutchinson, and I can see Aiden Hutchinson going one. So it seems like Lions will pick up Kavion Thibodeau uh, with that second pick for the edge, and then probably late in the second round pick. Uh, you know, um, I will talk about the Senior Bowl later on in this episode, but. Uh, the Lions did coach the American team for the Senior Bowl, and Malik Willis uh, has jumped a lot of boards ever since that Senior Bowl, so you could get a quarterback like Malik Willis in that late first round pick that you got from the Rams, which could be the 31st or 32nd pick, uh, depending on if the Rams win or lose the Super Bowl. And uh, the Lions could definitely get a quarterback and a defensive lineman, which are the two main pieces that I think they need right now. Uh, they're good. They're set at running back. I'm pretty sure they're set at wide receiver. They could probably get Chris Olave in the second round uh, pretty early on in the second round. Um, uh, the offensive line is okay. I mean, they're young, so but they're, they're doing decent, I'd say. Uh, the defensive line, they definitely need help with. So getting Kevion Thibodeau first pick uh, with the second pick uh, be, to be the team's first pick, I think will be good. Um, and then... The defensive backs definitely do need help, so maybe a third round, late round picks. So that's when you start getting your defensive backs for the Lions. But uh, overall, uh, I think the team needs a lot of help, so I don't think uh, I don't think trading the second pick in the draft is a good idea overall. Uh, you, you think about long term success here, uh, mainly with this team because it is so young and it's rebuilding. So I'd say just keep your cards where you have them now and. Uh, Hopefully you can get better, uh, you know, better players in the draft. Uh, now some more news coming out of the Giants, uh, coming with that coaching room uh, hires. The Giants just hired Chiefs quarterback coach Mike Kafka as their offense coordinator. Now uh, the Giants have been making really good, uh, really good uh, moves here uh, with training, uh, with their coaching staff. Um, I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know. And making an exception with the Brian Flores situation, uh, I mean, they're making some pretty good decisions. They got Brian DeBull, who has done his thing over there in Buffalo. And then they also have uh, uh, now the Giants hire uh, with Mike Kafka, who, uh, you know, obviously quarterback coach Mike or uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, they he's done some things there. Um, and so I think... You know, it's a good, it's a good hire. They're getting a good offensive mind uh, with Kafka, and then it also looks like they lost their defense coordinator uh, to the Raiders, which I think is also a good move. That Giants defense just didn't look that good. Definitely was a bright side for the team uh, compared to the offense, which was terrible, I think, in my opinion. Uh, so they are getting Matt Kafka that helped boost the offense, and then that G, that uh, the Giants uh, coaching room is just. Uh, really well planned out, I think. Uh, and I think the Giants have a pretty bright future uh, now with these coaching staff decisions. And lastly, coming out of the NFL, the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson on Thursday uh, to be their head coach um, after, um, you know, Coach Meyer, who wasn't really that good uh, at coaching, I say. Um, and it just seems like college coaches 
having a hard time going into pro sports, whether that be basketball or football. So, uh, you know, not the best hire, I guess, to hire him. Um, and it looks like uh, they are moving on to a more seasoned head coach in Doug Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson's last head coaching job was with the Philadelphia Eagles, where uh, he won a Super Bowl, um, and then he uh, possibly purposely tanked that last game of the season for the Giants not to win, and also just other problems regarding the team. So he was let go with the Eagles, um, and he hadn't had a job this year. Uh, there were talks about him possibly going into a head coaching job uh, this past season, but he didn't. And then now with the Jaguars hiring, uh, it seems like he's stepped in there. Now he has said that uh, the Jaguars are not a one-day fix, and definitely they are not, uh, but they will have the number one pick in the draft. We'll see who they pick, most likely Aiden Hutchinson, uh, but it will be uh, interesting to see who they pick up in the draft, uh, just mainly because Doug Peterson, I'd say he had a pretty good draft with the Eagles, uh, you know, making a entire Super Bowl team. So overall, I think Doug Peterson really got hired for the Jaguars. He has connections in the league, um, and overall, I think the Jaguars just really need help, and they're starting off with some leadership positioning with Doug Peterson, so Overall, good move by the Jaguars. Now starting off with some Senior Bowl takeaways. Uh, first off, Kenny Pickett had a really good game, quarterback from uh, Pitt. Um, it's definitely been really good. Um, Kenny Pickett uh, is a really high up draft uh, prospect, and he just played in the Senior Bowl, kind of up his uh, draft stock. Um, and he did really good. He went 6-6 for passing, 89 yards, uh, and a touchdown, uh, which, you know, gave him the 7-0 lead uh, pretty late in the first quarter. Um, and overall, he had a really good game. Uh, he had a one deep pass to uh, a wide receiver coming out of North Dakota State, uh, Christian Watson, for 38 yards, which was a really good uh, completion. Uh, you know, he dove for the catch. Um, and then, you know, kind of took off and ran with that one. Um, but overall, uh, Kenny Pickett, I think, had a good game and definitely boosted his draft stock. I'd say he's probably still going to be picked in that mid-range uh, mid uh, first round. But if he does fall late, I can see some teams picking him up pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah, definitely see him coming in pretty late or in the upper uh, probably 10 through... 10 through 18 I can see him going in that range uh just because of how many teams don't really need a quarterback uh but you know there are some teams pretty in the mix there that need a quarterback or need one to kind of fill the position there so I can definitely see him getting picked up pretty uh in the, in the middle of the draft uh, now there are some uh, quarterbacks playing. I mean, Desmond Ritter coming out of Cincinnati. Everybody's seen him in the national champion or not the national championship semifinal game against Alabama, and also just uh, Cincinnati as a whole. A lot of eyes on him. So um, he played pretty well. He went four for six on uh, you know on the pass and had 68 yards. And then also Malik Willis, who I talked about earlier for the Lions, he had a really good game. Uh, he rushed for 54 yards on four carries. Um, and overall had a really good game passing the ball. Um, the offensive line did not help him much. 
Sophie is going to the Lions. Uh, you know, playing in that Senior Bowl definitely gave some insight to what's going to happen if you're on the Lions. Uh, but um, overall, uh, Malik Willis had a really good game. Uh, just uh, you know, was really good. Um, uh, and uh, Desmond Ritter had a lot of uh, good passing completions, a lot of thread the needle passes uh in the middle of the field so definitely good tape by both quarterbacks or uh, all three quarterbacks so far that i've talked about really good tape shown by them and uh, all three looking like uh first round prospects another takeaway that i had from the senior bowl game boy mafe who is an edge rusher coming out of minnesota and he was asked to kind of play nose tackle uh in uh for the national team in the senior bowl but uh, he has done really well in Minnesota. He has shown uh, that he is a really good at rusher. And then now playing at uh, somewhat defensive tackle for uh, the senior bowl. He was really good. Uh, he had two sacks, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble uh, all in one game. And he was named player of the game for the national team. So definitely a good showing by Boy Mafe. Um, and I definitely think... Uh, his draft, his draft stock has definitely uh, gone up. Uh, now I don't see him going first round, but I do kind of see him going second round pretty early on in the second round for any teams that really want to boost that defensive line. Uh, he's really good power rusher. He's blowing through the offensive line just all game. So uh, I can definitely see him uh, going second round. But really good performance by Boy Mafe. Uh, now. My next takeaway is about uh, an offensive lineman uh, coming out of Boston College, Zion Johnson, uh, who wasn't a starter in this game, uh, but he did play in the second quarter, um, and uh, he definitely saw a change in uh, you know the running game for the national team, uh, mainly on this 18-yard run by uh, Rashad White coming out of Arizona State. Uh, he just was really good playing in that one, and he also played in the fourth quarter, which was really good. Overall, he just uh, was playing really good for the national team. He was practice player of the week, um, and uh, one of the, you know. So obviously, you know, putting in the work. Uh, so definitely, I think uh, any team trying to boost the offensive line, Zion Johnson has been a pretty far uh, prospect, a pretty good prospect for most teams uh, looking for that. Now moving on to uh, some more news uh, in NCAA football. Uh, like I said uh, before, Josh Gaddis has left Michigan to join Miami as their next offensive coordinator. Um, and looking at it, uh, as a Michigan fan, Josh Gaddis was really good at coaching uh, the Michigan offense, um, mainly that run game. And uh, the Dolphins have a decent run game. Uh, Miles Gaskin, who's been pretty good. Uh, in the run game, um, and, you know, and more, I guess, um, that passing game for Michigan wasn't the best early on in the season, but it did get better, uh, overall, like, later into the season, uh, Cade McNamara had really good games against Ohio State, um, and in Michigan State, even though they lost, he had a really good game in that one, so, uh, I'd look, uh, for, if you're a Dolphins fan, uh, mainly this offense is going to be run-dominant, um, you're not really going to see that many passes being made, uh, but I'm sure they're probably going to change that because it seems like the organization really likes Tua Tungavailoa, so they are probably going to change the game plan to make it so that 
uh, Tua does get more playing time, but that run game, I would expect it to take a boost up here now that Josh Gaddis is the offensive coordinator. Now moving on to NCAA basketball, we have a top 20 matchup here. Uh, number 12, Villanova beating uh, number 17, Connecticut, 85-74. to 74. Uh, Moving Villanova to a 17-6 record, making them second in the Big East. And moving UConn down to a 15-6 record, making them fourth in the Big East. Now looking at the stats here, uh, Eric Dixon had a double-double. Uh, their forward there, 24 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, and 10 for 15 from sh- from the field. Uh, Brandon Slater, 11 points, 1 assist, and 4 for 7 from sh- uh, from the field. Uh, Caleb Daniels, 16 points, 1 assist, and 5 for 7. Uh, Colin Gillespie has been pretty good so far for Villanova. 19-3-1, 6 for 13. Uh, looking at UConn stats, Adama Sandogo, or Sanogo, sorry, um, 14, 2-1, uh, RJ Cole, uh, 25, 2-4, uh, Tyrese Martin, who's also been good for UConn, uh, 14, 3-3. So, overall, uh, it seems like Villanova is getting more shooters in there. Uh, I mean, they shot 59% from field, 54% from three, and 96% from the free throw line uh they out rebounded yukon 24 to 19 um and villanova had more steals uh compared to yukon so definitely turning the ball over um and they had less turnovers than yukon uh winning that turnover battle 13 to 15 uh villanova had 46 points in the paint mainly due to those uh, 24 rebounds uh because 11 of those points were second chance points um, and, uh, you know, Villanova really made, uh, UConn pay with those turnovers, making 22 points off of those turnovers. Um, yeah, and so overall, uh, Villanova was also more disciplined, uh, winning that foul battle 16 to 20. So, uh, UConn or Villanova overall, just really good team, really good showing by them, uh, going up against their ranked opponent in UConn. Um, so. Overall, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Villanova does here. Both teams most likely going to the March Madness tournament uh, coming up soon next month. So uh, going to be uh, fun to watch here for uh, college basketball. Now moving on to an SEC game uh, in NCAA basketball. We have number one Auburn beating Georgia 74-72, to making Auburn 22-1 record, making them first in the SEC and first in the country. And Georgia moving down to a 6-17 and record, making them 14th in the SEC. Now, uh, this one was surprisingly close. They just barely survived against an unranked opponent in Georgia. Uh, now, Auburn, I mean, you know, they have shooters. Wendell Green, 19-5-3. Um, uh, KD Johnson has been pretty good, 20 20 points, 4 rebounds, 8 for 22. Uh, Walker Kessler, uh, 10, 10 points, 9 rebounds, 5 for 7. So overall, pretty good showing by Auburn here. But Georgia, they really came through in this one. Nobody really expected them to do good in this game. But Braylon, uh, Braylon Bridges, 14, 7, and 1. Uh, you have Jackson Etter, 13, 4, and 2. 
Uh, Aaron Cook, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 for 14. And Cario Oquendo, who's who's their star player in this game, 25-5-2. So overall, I mean, Georgia is really surprising. I mean, they outshot Auburn uh, and uh, from the field. Uh, you know, they did better than Auburn at the three-point line, but uh, Auburn got kind of the best of them there, 78% from the free-throw line. Um, Auburn also had more rebounds, out-rebounding them by 10, uh, more offensive rebounds by 5, uh, and uh, Auburn really did their thing on defense with 9 blocks, out-blocking them by 6. Um, and granted, Auburn did have more turnovers uh, than Georgia, so th- I mean that definitely is what made Georgia kind of come back. Is are those turnovers? Um, but Auburn was really getting those second chance points, uh, outscoring them by twelve, um, and Auburn got those fast break points, outscoring them by one, uh, and um, also points off turnovers, outscoring Georgia by one as well. Um, and I mean, Georgia was the more disciplined team here, but it just seems like Auburn's talent was just a little too much for Georgia. Um, definitely, uh, sorry, uh, definitely Wendell Green's layup there at the end, uh, definitely held them there to kind of win the game, uh, with four seconds left. So, uh, overall, I mean, good game by Georgia, but they really just couldn't come out with a win here against Auburn. Now moving on to a Big 12 matchup, we have number 14 Texas Tech beating West Virginia, uh, 60-53, advancing Texas Tech to an 18-5 record, making them second in the Big 12, and moving West Virginia down to a 13-9 record, making them 10th in the Big 12. Now looking at Texas Tech here, uh, Bryson Williams, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 5 for 15, uh, Davion Warren, 11 points, 3 rebounds, 4 for 8, uh, so 50%. Uh, Kevin McCuller, uh, 10, 9, and 2, so pretty good performance by Texas Tech. Now looking at West Virginia, Jalen Bridges, who's really been good for West Virginia, 16, 2, and 1. Uh, Sean McNeil, 15, 2, and 1. Um, that's about it, so West Virginia really just going to get the ball rolling there. Uh, Texas Tech, uh, I mean, they shot better than West Virginia, but both percentages really weren't good. Uh, Texas Tech, 37% from field, and West Virginia shooting 24% from field. West Virginia did do better at the three-point line, shooting 25%, um, and Texas Tech did win that free throw battle, shooting 86% uh, from there. Um, Texas Tech with 37 rebounds. West Virginia had 13 offensive rebounds. Uh, Texas Tech has had eight assists, so they're really getting the ball moving there. Uh, West Virginia had 10 steals, so uh, they were playing really good defense against Texas Tech in this one. Um, uh, both of them, I think, had really good defensive performances. Uh, now, granted, uh, West Virginia uh, kind of beat in the turnover, beat Texas Tech in the turnover battle. Uh, Texas Tech had 12 turnovers compared to their nine turnovers. Um, Texas Tech had more second chance points uh, and more fast break points, um, but West Virginia had more points off turnovers due to those uh, 12 turnovers that they forced. Um, 
and West Virginia was the more, uh, you know, dipl- uh, disciplined team. But it just seems like Texas Tech overall is just a better team than West Virginia. And they kind of battled it out here. And Texas Tech really had more uh, shooters on their team, more people getting points around. So uh, definitely Texas Tech, uh, they just had more power uh, on the offense. Um, while both teams had really good defense defenses, uh, just Texas Tech, really high-powered offense, and West Virginia really couldn't handle that. Now moving on to a Big Ten matchup, we have number four Purdue beating unranked Michigan 82-76. to um, Purdue moving up to a 20-3 and record, making them third in the Big Ten, and Michigan moving down to an 11-9 and record, making them eighth in the Big Ten. Uh, so far, uh, not good performances by Michigan. As Michigan fans, it's is hard to watch. Uh, definitely, they lost a lot of players. Shondi Brown, Isaiah Livers, uh, you know, more players on there. Just really uh, good players, good captains on that team, good leaders. And they kind of missed out on them uh, this season. And it's definitely showing with a younger team, kind of just uh, not passing the ball as much. Definitely from what I've been seeing. And uh, they just kind of just put up shots trying to make some points, um, and they definitely really haven't been doing much. But looking at Purdue here, uh, Zach Eddy, who's been really good for the team, 13-9-1. Uh, Jaden Ivey, obviously, has been a really good player for, for Purdue, 23-6-7. And, and Travion Williams, 19-8-2. Now looking at Michigan, Hunter Dickinson had a good, uh, had a good game, uh, usually which he does, 28-2-2. Um, Devon, uh, Devontae Jones, uh, had a good, uh, had a good game, uh, 13-4-4, four and, four, and Caleb Houston, uh, 11-2-3, so, decent game by Michigan here, uh, but, you know, they're just really missing a lot of, uh, you know, spots there for the team, um, Michigan shooting 56% from field, though, uh, better than Purdue, um, and 44% from the three-point line, and better from the free-throw line. So really what happens here is that Purdue was really just cleaning the board um, against Michigan with 31 rebounds, 11 of those being offensive rebounds. Um, both teams, I think, were doing really well with assists, though, surprisingly Michigan, but uh, definitely both teams are doing really good at passing the ball. Uh, but Purdue uh, had seven steals, so uh, definitely just not the best. Uh, or the uh, not the best offensive performance by Michigan, but really good defensive performance so far by Purdue. Um, yeah, I mean, Purdue only had six turnovers compared to Michigan's 11, uh, and seven of those being steals. So uh, really good overall by Purdue. Um, yeah, Purdue getting 44 points in the paint due to those rebounds um, and 10 second-chance points due to those rebounds as well. Uh, Purdue had 12 Fast break points, uh, making Michigan pay off those 11 turnovers. Um, yeah, and overall, I mean, Purdue was just a more disciplined team. Uh, again, Dunn uh, as a better team, making them still fourth in the nation uh, in a good game by Purdue. Now moving on to another Big Ten matchup in uh, NCAA basketball. Number 11, Wisconsin uh, beats Penn State, unranked Penn State, 51-49, to um, moving Wisconsin to an 18-4 record, making them second in the Big Ten, 
and Penn State moving down to a 9-10 and record, making them 10th in the Big Ten. Um, and this one was really surprising. I didn't think uh, I didn't think this was going to be as close as it was. Uh, but Tyler Wall had a really clutch bucket at the end there with 30 seconds left. Uh, he just made that tie-breaking layup, and then really from there, uh, Penn State really didn't do anything. Um, and Wisconsin ended up getting the dub. Uh, looking at Wisconsin here, I mean, Steven Crowell, probably their best player of the game, 13-4-5. Uh, Tyler Wall, who had that clutch bucket, 12.7 rebounds, 6 for 9. Uh, Chucky Hepburn, 10-2-1. Uh, um, looking at Penn State here, really just only one good Sam Sessoms, uh, who had a really good game, 14 points, 2 assists, 5 for 9. But that was about it for Penn State. Uh, Wisconsin. Uh, shot 38% from field. Uh, Penn State had better three-point shooting, shooting 30% from the field, um, or from the three-point line, sorry. Um, and then Penn State also doing their thing at the free-throw line, shooting 80%. Um, Wisconsin had more rebounds. Uh, uh, Penn State had six offensive rebounds. Um, Wisconsin was really uh, moving the ball around with that, with those 10 assists. Um and, I mean, Penn State really did well in the defense, which kept them in there. Seven steals, uh, but Wisconsin had four blocks. Um, and Penn State did have more turnovers uh, compared to Wisconsin. Uh, and Wisconsin had more points in the paint, uh, outscoring them by eight. Um, and Wisconsin had five of those second-chance points. Um, and Wisconsin only had two fast-break points, uh, which is interesting because... Uh, uh, Penn State had 10 turnovers, so they, they only got two points off of those 10 turnovers, or 14 or four points off of those 10 turnovers, and two being fast break points. Uh, but Penn State really made made them pay off the turnovers with eight points off the turnover, uh, off turnovers, um, which is one point per turnover that Wisconsin had. So overall, pretty good game by uh, Wisconsin, keeping uh, keeping that uh, rank. Uh, in the AP poll, and Penn State just really couldn't do much, um, you know, compared to Wisconsin. Uh, now looking at another game in the SEC, number five Kentucky beating uh, unranked Alabama, sixty-six to fifty-five, moving Kentucky to a nineteen and four record, making them second in the SEC, and Alabama moving down to a fourteen and nine record, making them eighth in the SEC, which is really surprising to a lot of people because in the preseason poll Alabama was ranked as one of the higher uh higher teams, but uh just hasn't looked like they've really been on the same page. Uh looking at Kentucky Oh sorry, uh Oscar Shibwe. I don't really know how to say his name. <laughs> uh is he had a double double uh 10 15 and 1 um Keon Brooks 10 points 5 rebounds 4 for 9 uh Ty Ty Washington uh 15 3 and 2 um Kellen Grady um 10 4 and 1 and Damian Collins 10 points 6 rebounds and 2 for 3 from field, uh, Charles Badaiko, uh, for Alabama had 12, uh, 8 and 1, uh, but that was about it for Alabama, really. Um, Kentucky shot better from, from the field, shooting 40%, uh, 
uh, and they shot 36% from three and 74% from the free throw line. Uh, Alabama did have more rebounds, uh, really only out rebounding Kentucky by one. Alabama had, and 42 of those rebounds were, uh, uh, 12 of the 42 rebounds were offensive rebounds. Uh, Kentucky was really getting the ball moving though. Uh, thir- with 13 assists, and they were really doing well on defense with 12 steals and two blocks. Uh, but Alabama did really good with the blocks with four. Um, Kentucky was really doing their thing in the paint 34 points in the paint, uh, so it's about half their points were in the paint. Um, uh, but Alabama really getting those second chance points in. Uh, Kentucky fast break points. Uh, 17 points off of those turnovers. Both teams did have 15 turnovers, but, uh, you know, Kentucky really made use of those turnovers. 16 fast break points, 17 points off turnovers. Um, and, uh, they're the more disciplined team in this game. So, uh, Kentucky keeping that rank in the AP pool and Alabama continuing, uh, this disappointing streak, I'd say, but it does look like they're still going to be, uh, in the tournament coming in March, but, uh, I'm not really sh- sure how they're going to play compared to last year. Uh, now moving on to an upset game in the Big 12. Uh, number 8 Baylor losing to number 10 Kansas 83-59. to Advancing Kansas to a 19-3 and record. Making them now first in the Big 12. And moving down Baylor to a 19-4 and record. Making them third in the Big 12. Um, and this is a really big upset here. Kansas uh had um sorry um Jalen Wilson fifteen seven and four uh Christian Braun had a double double eighteen ten and three um Ochai Agag Agbaji sorry eighteen nine and two so overall just really good game by Kansas now looking at Baylor here um uh, Adam Flagler sixteen two and one and uh Kendall Brown 12 8 and 3 so uh seems like they had pretty even uh shooting game but Kansas really out here 52% from the field um Baylor did shoot better from the three point line shooting 26% but Kansas kind of made up for that with shooting 78% from the free throw line uh Kansas had 45 rebounds uh Baylor had 15 offensive rebounds Kansas was really getting the ball moving with 18 assists uh, but Baylor had a really good defensive performance with 12 steals, three blocks. Kansas had three block or six blocks, sorry. Um, Kansas had a really good game in the paint, 48 points in the paint. Again, another basically half of their points were points in the paint, so really dominating uh, down low for the big men there. Um, Kansas had 17 fast break points and 20 points off of the uh, 14 turnovers that they had. Um, and they're really the more disciplined team here. So Kansas definitely moving up the ranks here once the new AP poll is announced. And Baylor probably going to move down here since uh, they were upset. But I don't really see them moving down too far, probably just like 11th or 9th. So, uh, and Kansas might go back up to 8th, but I'm really not sure. But overall, good performance by both teams. But Kansas really had the upset going. Uh, now moving on to an ACC game and a really important game here as it was Coach K's last game against North Carolina. Uh, number nine Duke leading North Carolina 87 to 67 moving Duke 
to a 19-3 record, making the first in the ACC and moving unranked North Carolina to a 16-7 record, making them fifth in the ACC. And uh, this, yep, this is Coach K's last game against North Carolina here before he retires. Um, Wendell Moore, 13-8 and five. Uh, AJ Griffin, 27-4 and one. Uh, Paolo Banchero, who's been really good for Duke, had a double double, 13, 10, and 2. Um, Trevor Keels, 11, 3, and 2. Um, now looking at North Carolina here, uh, Brady Manick, 21 points, 6 rebounds, and 7 for 16. Uh, RJ Davis, 11, 2, and 2. Um, Armando Bacot, 12, 5, and 2. So, really good, uh, performance by both teams here. Uh, Duke shot better from the field, shooting 58%, 47% from the three-point line, and 77% from the free-throw line. Um, Duke shot uh, or had 36 rebounds, uh, six of those being offensive rebounds. They were really getting the ball moving, 20 assists, really good defensive performance, seven steals, two blocks. Uh, North Carolina had three blocks on the other end, uh, but Duke did have 11 turnovers, um, so... Really, UNC really doing their job there with, uh, you know, uh, making sure that Duke turn, turns the ball over. Um, Duke was really dominating the paint, 36 points in the paint, uh, nine second chance points, uh, and they had 14 points off of, uh, UNC's eight turnovers. So really, UNC wasn't really able to capitalize on those turnovers. Um, UNC was the more disciplined team here, but, Duke was able to pull it out by 20 um, and, uh, you know, keep that rank in the AP pool. Now moving on to a game in the West Coast Division. Uh, number two, Gonzaga beats unranked BYU 90-57. to Gonzaga moving to a 19-2 record, uh, making them still first in the West Coast Division. And BYU moving down to a 17-8 record, making them sixth in the West Coast Division. Um, and... Yeah, Chet Holmgren has just really done good for this team. He had 20 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists, making that a double-double. Uh, Drew Tim, uh, who did good last year now, he's still continuing his uh, reign here on the NCAA basketball. 13-5-3. Uh, and three. Um, Andrew Nembhard, 15-4-4. Uh, four and four. Rasir Bolton, 13-1-1. and one. Uh, Julian Strother, 19-5 and 2. Uh, now looking at BYU, uh, Gideon George, 14-3 and 1. Uh, Seneca Knight, 13-6 and 1. But that's about it for BYU. Um, Gonzaga shooting 58% from field, 38% from three, uh, 43 rebounds. So Chet Holmgren, Drew Tim, really good performances there in the paint. But uh, BYU had eight offensive rebounds. Um, and Gonzaga's really getting the ball moving, 20 assists, um, and really good defensive performance, 12 steals, 9 blocks, um, and uh, they only had 14 turnovers compared to BYU's 15, uh, they had 44 points in the paint, so yeah, definitely dominating the paint there, uh, Gonzaga, or BYU, sorry, had 8 second chance points, um, due to those, uh, 8 offensive rebounds, so, uh, really good performance by BYU on uh, on the boards there for the offense and getting those second chance points. Uh, 
And Gonzaga was able to get 21 fast break points and 17 points off turnovers uh, due to BYU's 15 turnovers. Um, and uh, Gonzaga was really the more disciplined team here. Uh, not really much to say. I mean, uh, they won by 33 here. So just overall just a dominating performance by Gonzaga. Now another upset game uh, in the Pac-12 this time. Arizona unranked Arizona State beating number three UCLA in triple overtime, winning 87 to 84. Arizona moving up to a 7 and 13 record, making them ninth in the Pac-12. And UCLA, UCLA moving down to a 16 and 4 record, making them third in the Pac-12. Uh, now, they are still third, but I think it's going to change once the new AP polls come out because they just lost to an unranked team. Now looking at Arizona State here, uh, Kimani Lawrence, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 4 for 8. Uh, DJ, or sorry, uh, Jalen Graham, si uh, double double, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, um, sorry, uh, DJ Horn, 11, 8, and 3. Jay Heath, uh, had 12, 2, and 5. Uh, Alonzo Gaffey, 10, 5, and 1, and more, um, Marion ja uh, Jackson, who had probably the best game for Arizona State here, 24, 4, and 3. Uh, now looking at UCLA here, uh, Cody Riley, uh, had a game 10, 5, and 3. Johnny Juzang, obviously having a double double with 50 minutes played, shooting 20, 10, and 2, uh, Tiger Campbell, 13-1-5. Uh, Jamie Jaquez uh, had a double-double, 27-11-3. Uh, Arizona State shot 40% from field, 34% from three. Uh, UCLA did their thing from the free throw line, 75%. Uh, UCLA had more rebounds, 46, point, uh, 46 rebounds, 14 of those being offensive rebounds. Uh, both teams were really getting the ball going, and both teams really had a good defensive performance. But Arizona State four blocks, um, and uh, but uh, UCLA only had nine turnovers, um, so they were uh, they were really protecting the ball there, um, and they had sixteen ch second chance points um, off of the uh, off of the ten turnovers. But uh, um, Arizona had eleven fast break points. Um, and, uh, yeah, overall, uh, UCLA was the more disciplined team here, but Arizona really dominated the paint there and on the defensive performance. So, um, I think that's why they won in triple overtime, but really good game overall, uh, in, in Arizona, uh, there for, uh, the Pac-12. And moving on to some topics from the NBA, starting off with a Portland Trailblazers and Clippers trade. Now the uh, Trailblazers are sending Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers, uh, and in return, uh, they get Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and the Detroit Pistons 2025 second round pick, um, that I believe they got from the Blake Griffin trade. So overall, Pretty good trade happening here. Um, Norman Powell, who's been decent for the Clippers. Uh, surprising that they did trade him away, but he has been kind of underperforming this season. Again, Robert Covington, a really good piece for the Trailblazers, but he has been underperforming. So it does look like they're just trying to free up some uh, cap space here. 
uh, on the Trailblazers side. And looking at the Clippers, uh, they're sending some pretty uh, veteran player by uh, the name of Eric Bledsoe, who's been really good there. Um, and then Justice Winslow, who's been a decent player, I'd say really good role player uh, in the league. And Keon Johnson has been a decent player as well. Um, and then getting in some more draft capital for the Trailblazers, which they really need. Uh, because most likely these players are probably going to leave the Trailblazers like Damian Lillard. And CJ McCollum has been in some trade talks. Uh, some, so possible, there is a possibility that he does get trade, traded before the trade deadline. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. Uh, but, uh, uh, really good trade, I think, on both sides. Now moving on to an, a game played in the NBA. Uh, in the Eastern Division, uh, the Raptors beating the Hawks 125 to 114, moving the Raptors up to a 28 and 23 record, making them seventh in the Eastern Division, and the Hawks moving down to a 25 and 27 record, making them tenth in the Eastern Division. Um, and the Raptors were really led here by uh, Pascal Siakam's season high 33 points, nine rebounds, and four assists. Uh, Gary Trent had a game here 19 one and one. Fred Van Vliet double double 26 4 and 11. Uh, Scotty Barnes 16 9 4. Uh, Precious Uchiwa uh, 10 points, 3 rebounds, 4 for 6. Uh, Chris Boucher 18 or 11 8 and 1. Um, looking at the Hawks here, Trey Young 12 or uh, 22, a uh, double double here, 20 20. <laughs> triple, uh, double double here with 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 13 assists. Uh, John Collins 23-6-1, Daniil Hunter 23-4-2, and Bogdanovich with 18-4-5. Now looking at the stats here, uh, the Raptors shooting 57% from field, 63% from three. Uh, the Hawks did shoot 90% from the free throw line, but the Raptors had more rebounds, 45 rebounds. Uh, the Hawks had 13 uh, of their 40 rebounds be offensive rebounds. Um, Raptors really passing the ball around, 29 assists. Um, but the Hawks really did their thing on defense, 12 steals, 4 blocks. Um, and they didn't really turn the ball over that much, Nine, only 9 turnovers. Um, and they got their main, most of their points were 60 points in the paint. Uh, um, and then, uh, you know, they had 17 second chance points due to those 40 rebounds. Um, and they had 16 fast break points and 16 points off turnovers due to the uh, Raptors turning the ball over 14 times. Uh, but the Raptors' biggest lead in this game was 18. Um, and uh, the Hawks were really the more disciplined team here. But overall, I just think Pascal Siakam really powered through with this team uh, to have them win by nine. Uh, now moving on to the last game uh, for this episode, the Lakers beating the Knicks 122 to 115, the Lakers advancing to a 26 and 28 record, make them ninth in the Western Division, and the Knicks moving on to a 24 and 29 record, uh, making them uh, 12th in the Eastern Division. Um, now looking at the stats here, uh, LeBron uh, came back, had a triple double, 29, 13, and 10, and the Lakers once again benched Russell Westbrook late in the game so it might be a common move that we see here uh, in Lakers games but Anthony Anthony Davis had a double double 28 17 and 3 uh, Malik Monk 29 points 2 assists 11 for 20 um and 
Trevor Ariza, 11, 8, and 3. And now Carmelo Anthony is day-to-day with that right hamstring strain. Um, so that has been there. But the Knicks, uh, just doesn't really seem like they did that much. Uh, RJ Barrett, 36, 8, and 5. Julius Randle, 32, 16, and 7, making that a double-double. Um, Evan Fournier, 15, 4, and 3. Uh, and Alec Burks, 12, 6, and 4. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty good performance by the Knicks. But looking at the Lakers here, I mean, 47% from the field um, uh, and 57 rebounds. Uh, he had 29 assists, 7 blocks, uh, 72 points in the paint. Uh, and mind you, this is an overtime uh, overtime game here. Or, sorry, triple or not, sorry, yeah, just the overtime game, not triple overtime game, um, um, and then they had 21 second chance points, uh, and, uh, you know, and they were the more disciplined team with only 23 fouls, so, uh, overall, really good game by the Lakers, uh, Knicks kind of kept it in there, but, uh, LeBron's triple-double definitely helped the Lakers in this one. And that'll be all for today's episode. Thank you all for listening if you're on any podcast platforms. And thank you for watching if you're on YouTube. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.